everybody, welcome in. Kevin Kincaid alongside Dave Zeitlin for uh, episode two of the podcast. And we have, uh, we have some exciting news to announce, don't we? Do have a name? We have a name. It's no longer, yeah, it's no longer a... Uh, a soccer podcast with with no name and no logo or anything like that. Well, that's a pretty like good a name, soccer podcast with no name. I it was. was that's yeah. probably in our top five. It was very, uh, <laughs> it was very vague. But we do have a, uh, we have a name now. So, uh, so Mr. Zylan, if you would like to, uh, I want you to announce it. You want me to do it? Yeah. Okay. It's the right. honors. I'll take the honors. Here we okay. Go. The uh, <laughs> <laughs> the name the name of the podcast is it's always soccer in Philadelphia. I like it. Yeah. Thank you to Matt uh, Thornton on Twitter, who is a mediocre bad guy. Yeah. He, he's no longer mediocre. He's now a great bad guy. <laughs> no, yeah, Matt Thornton, uh, Union fan, at media, a mediocre bad guy, uh, gave us a suggestion. And um, thanks to everybody, first of all, who listened to the first pod. I think we got something like 500 or 600 listens, and that was just off of the uh, SoundCloud stream, and everybody had a lot of good recommendations. There were some terrible recommendations in there as well. Some, that that were some terrible ones. Some terrible ones. But some they good were ones. It was across the board. Terrible, but they were entertaining. Yeah. Uh, anything it was that, fun. Anything involving Raiz and Bully, those were all inappropriate but entertaining, <laughs> and we got uh, a good laugh out of all that. But but no, in, in all seriousness, thanks to everybody who um who uh, listened and who gave us the suggestions and whatnot. So we're going to get it up. Uh, you know, Just a brief public service, service announcement here. People have been asking for iTunes and a RSS feed and whatnot. I'll, I'll go ahead and, and submit that, and we'll try to get it up there on as many uh, – platforms as possible so you guys have it uh have the easiest way or whatever's most convenient for you to uh to listen so you don't just have to go and do the soundcloud thing so moving on uh from that thanks again to everybody for doing that dave what's our uh first topic here well i just going back to the name for a sec hopefully we can honor the uh, legacy of uh, d frank charlie and all the gang there mac uh <laughs> it's been a great show which has kind of tailed off in the past few years um so hopefully our podcast will be will be great. We'll can live up in to the, the expectations. In the beginning, too, and then hopefully not tail off quite as much. We are kind of <laughs> setting lofty expectations for ourselves, aren't we? Yeah, we don't want to go downhill from here. We'll have like five. Uh, well, they had like 12 ones. seasons, so like if we get to season six uh, going pretty strong, I feel like that right, be pretty Right, right. Diminishing returns, you know, <laughs> diminishing returns. So, um, yeah, this is a big week uh, for the Philadelphia Union and also uh, for myself. I may or may not have a huge bruise uh, on my rib cage yes. from my bachelor party on Saturday. Um so Kevin missed the game. Uh, it was for a good reason. He so. had his bachelor party where he did a lot of things I would never think to do for my bachelor party. <laughs> <laughs> he went to a death metal concert, watched a MMA fight, I think, which is probably like yeah. on my list would be number 150, 151. Yeah. So well, you know what? Listen, I mean, different it's, interests. it sounds like it was really violent. Like there was music <laughs> and death metal and fighting. And so, but it really wasn't anything. It really wasn't. <laughs> it was actually much more tame than it sounds. Yeah, we went to uh, we went to the Prophets of Rage show over in Camden, which was uh, you know the members of Rage Against the Machine with uh, Cypress Hill and uh, <clears throat> Public Enemy, and that was fun. It was a good time. Then we came back here. We watched a uh, UFC 202. We watched a McGregor. It's a good uh, fight. I heard it was a great fight. You know what? I was never a UFC fan back in the day because yeah. I was just like, I don't know, two guys beating the crap out of each other. Like, I really didn't get it. I wasn't much of a fighter, like a boxing fan myself, yeah. you know. But, like, now now the more I watch it, and I can appreciate, like, mixed martial arts, like the disciplines that go into it, and two guys beating the crap out of each other, then showing each other respect after it, you know, in a strange way, I kind of... Uh, so how did you get your uh, bruise? Did you guys try to, like, mimic the fight or something? Um... <laughs> <laughs> my sto- well, it depends. Yeah, my story is that I'm telling everybody it came from the mosh pit, but it may have, 
may or may not have come from a certain establishment <coughs> elsewhere in Philadelphia. So we'll just leave it at that. Well, I have to say, you missed a truly historic thing at the game. Uh, not one, but two balls were kicked out of the uh, river end, which we yeah. have been liking to track for a long time now. And we just see one or two <laughs> per season to have two in one game is truly great. What moment. were these? Were these clearances or were they just uh, one was a, The first was a Richie Marquez clearance. The second was like Roland Albert came into the game. His like first touch. He just blasted one oh, just over the river end. Over took the, a couple yeah. bounces. You need a good bounce there and it went out of the stadium. So... Well, you know, I'll tell you what I didn't write. So me and uh, DeGeorge, we both missed it, but it, we picked a good one to miss, I think. You know, I went <laughs> back and I watched uh, the the replay, and it just, uh, you know, I think the takeaway for me was that everybody seemed a little bit off in this yeah. one. The defense seemed a little bit off. The offense seemed a little bit off. The officiating was a little bit off. The the uh, the, the fans seemed a little bit off in, uh, yeah. you know, some of the, the response that was coming from certain things. I'll, I'll leave that for later, but uh, – yeah, it just wasn't. I think it was disappointing considering how they played the week before in the four nothing shutout to come back and then have some momentum and not really take advantage of it. Yeah, it was a tough loss. The I mean, I have the same takeaway. Like when Toronto's big three are all going, they're all healthy, they're all in gear. I mean, this is a team that should beat the Union. They should be one of the best teams in the league. I mean, Josie, you could argue, is in his best form of his career right now. That's what Matt Doyle said on MLS. Mm-hmm. I mean, Michael Bradley is still Michael Bradley and Giovinco could be a two-time MVP. So, I mean, when those three guys are all playing well, as they did, they should beat Philly, and that's what happened. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? It was uh, – I mean, the star power is one thing, but I think at the beginning of the year I said that uh, I thought t- Toronto was the best team in the East, and that was based on their defense playing really, re- really, really well over that stretch of uh, the first seven games that they played on the road. You know, remember they had uh, – you know, they were doing the renovations to their stadium, and so they went out on the road mm-hmm. and had another, like, big, long stretch to start the season. And, uh, you know, now that everybody's sort of healthy again, they, it seems like they're clicking. Uh, you know, Josie with his – on the first goal, he sort of lays it off his chest, and there's a great ball played into Javinko, the second one. That's an incredible touch by Javinko. I mean, people yeah. worth raving about that first touch. That's, a, that's yeah. a touch few players in the league can make just to get him open. Now. No, absolutely. And then he hits one off of both, off of both posts. And, then, <laughs> you know, what, what are you doing for that one? Javinko style. Yeah, defensive struggles aside, I mean, Josie, the strength that he shows to turn, uh, turn Ken Tribbett on the third goal, and then Richie Marquez is kind of pulled out of the play. Um you know, you look at uh, the union and uh, how how well they've done with a bunch of blue collar guys and a smart budget this year. But yeah, you you kind of got the sense coming in. I think I even like made a joke on Twitter. Like you have Ken Tribbett, who's making you know fifty thousand a year just out mm-hmm. of USL. Played at Drexel two years ago. Was out of pro soccer, and then uh, he he's going up he's going up against Josie and Javinko. So <laughs> so like we all knew it was gonna be a really hard challenge and then yeah. the first half happens and just what was your take on all three of those goals? I just um I mean, you know, I, I if you want to take it one by one, you know, on the first one, like we said, Josie lays it down perfectly with his chest and uh, Richie Marquez is kinda out of the play then because he was on Josie's back. Warren Carvalho is, is dropping back to cover somebody else and there's a big gap in the midfield. Mar- Marco Delgado, I mean, give him huge credit for hitting that. Mm-hmm. And give Javinko huge credit for the touch. You know, could Ken Tribbett have been positioned a lot better? Yeah. Um, but it was a combination of things. It was some good passes and some good hold-up play. The second one, uh, Jim Curtin told us, and, and credit to Jim, he was really, really open and really, really candid on uh, Monday, uh, sort of went through in a two-minute answer. He kind of went through all every single goal and the way that they looked at it on film and what they saw. On the second one, he thought that uh, there wasn't much of a pick at all, but he said that uh, Drew Moore kind of got away with an arm tug. If you look at it really, really closely, you can see him kind of pull – uh, Ken Tribbett while he's his view, while Mark Geiger's view is blocked and I didn't really pay attention to it at first but then I saw it there when I looked at it mm-hmm. but still I mean it's a veteran you just got to fight through stuff like that you know he's got to he's got to do 
you know, he, he can't be worried about the ref being right in front of you. If he calls a penalty, whatever, you know, otherwise the guy's got a free header. So they're going to yeah. score no matter what off. And the third one, the third one was the most complicated because I felt like uh, Richie Marquez kind of got dragged out of the play. Maybe he could have stayed up there. Mm-hmm. But then again, Ken is on the wrong shoulder and he's trying to, uh, you know, over kind of overcompensate there. And I don't know why he gets out to the right shoulder and he lets Josie come inside. So yeah, it has to be the craziest 45 minutes of- of Ken Trivet's and he life. scored a great goal. To score the goal, I mean, that goal showed, you know, why he's in this lineup. In the air, I said it, I think, in our lad pod, in our um, last podcast, he's he's one of the best players in, in the air on this team. I mean, people keep saying that. He's great in the air, and, and that's a goal. I mean, few players on his team could, could probably score. Well, this is what this is what I <laughs> asked Jim, and this is, this is what I would ask you is, you know, philosophically, would you go with, you know, Jim Jim has said that he wants a consistent back four, and he mm-hmm. doesn't like changing it up back there. But if you, Dave Zeitlin, are the coach, and you know that you know, Josh <laughs> Josh Yarrow is faster yeah. and smaller, maybe he might be a better matchup for Javico. Do you play the matchup with a guy who hasn't played in a couple games, mm-hmm. or do you keep going with the same line? Yeah, I mean, I saw when you tweeted that, too. I, I think it's a good idea, personally. But as you mentioned, I mean, Curtin is not someone who would want to platoon anyone, let alone center backs. So, I mean, I don't think it's something he's going to do. But at the same time, they're both – young players they're like rookies no one really has shown to have a big leg up in the battle so i mean i think at this point in the season if you want to platoon them a bit i mean i see no problem with it i don't that's kind of what they did to start the season didn't they because i mean it wasn't ken trip it really didn't come into uh you know grabbing that starting role until a couple weeks ago so it's not like that they were really following that philosophy at the beginning of the year maybe only now jim saw something that made him settle on it but um Here's the other, the second part of that philosophical question that I would ask you: Do you believe in, uh, you know, comp- the two center backs that complement each other? And what what that means is, you know, say Richie Marquez is yeah. a bigger ball winner, and say and Ken is a bigger ball winner, right? But Josh is smaller and faster, and he can put out fires. Do you would you believe if you were putting the guys out there that you would try to complement a bigger ball winning guy with a smaller guy? Yeah, I mean, I think we talked about about it before. I, I think Josh is is a pretty good fit there, but he is small. Just because Richie is big, um, so I mean, I think I would lean towards Josh just because his speed is something that that is unique and that they like. And then to throw a question back at you, I actually asked Richie this after the game, but how how does he kind of deal with going from one to the other? Like even in the middle of one game, I asked him at halftime, like, what do you tell Josh Yarrow at that point, and what do you tell Ken Tribbett after having such a tough half? And he basically said he he tried to keep Ken's head up and he tried to to tell Josh uh, just to be confident. But, I yeah. mean, that's a tough spot for him, too, because these guys really value these partnerships, and to have it kind of switch like that in the middle of the game yeah, can be yeah, tough. Yeah, and that would, go, that would go against the idea of platooning, too, because if you develop a, you know, a, a communication with a certain guy, then if you're bringing in a different guy over and over, then that kind of throws that off. I get it. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think that my takeaway from the whole thing is that I don't think Jim – I don't think either one of those philosophies is wrong. Yeah. You know, I don't. I don't think that Jim is wrong to think that he wants to keep consistency and he wants to have one guy sort of grab hold of of the starting job and keep it. But I also don't think there's anything wrong with trying to play in the matchup if you yeah. have it. You know, so I'm in, I'm really interested to see what he does with, with with the Columbus game tomorrow. I mean, right now sitting right here, if you had to pick Josh Yar or Ken Tribbett against Columbus, what would you do? I I go Josh Yar at this point. I mean, Jim said he didn't want to change it last week because they're coming off a four nothing win, which is. Which makes sense in some ways, but at the same time, you do have to, have to like look at matchups. But yeah. after the game, Ken's had he's had a couple of kind of rough games in a row in terms of just making mistakes. So I think yeah. you have Josh in for one half, so it's not really changing anything now. I, 
I think you kind of ride with Josh at this point. Yeah, uh, and for the life of me, I think? can't. Re- I can't remember what the hell they did with the um in the first two Columbus games. I mean, the first Columbus game was in the second um, that, game was, of the year. That's probably true, but he was starting early on in the season. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, but I think Kai Kamara was still playing yeah, for them yeah. at that point. And yeah. then when they came here, it was June, the June first game. It was the la- it was the three two win. It was the last game, uh, right before the Copa break. Is that Josh at that point? No oh, we're <laughs> too terrible beat writers. I've got a computer right in front of me. I should be looking it up. It's so far away, though. The microphone in one hand that I got, like a, you know. Um, but no, I mean, I don't look. If, if you uh, if, if they're playing 4 2 3 1 and uh, they only have one striker versus uh, Toronto, which sort of was playing that, that two striker kind of diamond uh, the other day, maybe that has something to do with it, too. But I, I think this is going to be, um, you know, a topic that's probably not going to go away. Yeah. So, anyway, um, you know, I alluded to, to it earlier, and I wasn't, you know, um, trying to trying to criticize the fans or anything like that I, I wasn't there uh like i said so i i, I listened to the game i watched the game on the uh you know on the replay and you know they weren't happy with mark geiger you know <laughs> you heard the chance of fu geiger coming out they, they were loud and clear on the broadcast and uh, that was I'm, just I'm one not... of three there is a <laughs> fu sucking my we let a curse in this podcast Please. um what we, nah. if, well, I mean, if we have to, we're trying to get it, into yeah, iTunes, we'll, so. uh, yeah, we are two uh, professional writers here, so I think we should. <laughs> but yeah, they had three. Uh, we could talk about, uh, you know, they had me three separate bruises, bruises from my bachelor party, <laughs> right, but right, we right. can't talk about them. Um, but yeah, three separate uh, Geiger chants, all, yeah. all pretty mixed in. A couple of writers in the press box were kind of upset with it. I mean, I've, I, I, I've heard it before. It's, it's hard for me to like blame a whole fan group when it's just a few fans or some fans. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I don't think you should be cursing. At a rap, I also don't think that was the reason that they lost. So I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't. Um, it, there's, there's a couple ways to go with it. I, I mean, I think that um, for the most part, when you're talking about fan culture and uh, supporters groups and soccer, especially, I think that uh, for the most part, those kind of issues will police themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you know. And yeah. I don't, I don't know if um, it's necessary for the team to get involved or stuff like that. We have heard in recent. Uh, you know, weeks they've had issues with the certain chant that the Mexico fans use that uh, we're all very familiar with for one reason or another. <laughs> Maybe that's another topic. For no comment. Yeah, no comment. Quickly move uh, on. Yeah. No, I don't have any problem talking about it. But <laughs> look, I mean, it's it's it makes sense in this in this case. It's like, it is uh, is a, a team or a league going to tell people to stop doing that, or you know, yeah, are the yeah. fans going to have to do it themselves? And I don't know. I'm I'm not sitting here telling the sons of Ben what to say or right, certain right, groups what right. to say, but. You know, if you do have the eight-year-old girl who can hear that, you know, yeah. who's sitting there with her dad, you do have to think about what the dad is supposed to tell his daughter about. Well, they're just saying something else, yeah. you know. No, it's an inter- inter- interesting question, and like you said, they do kind of police themselves a lot. So I think it's it's an it's an issue for the Sons of Ben. I mean, they do so many great things for this team and with the TFO and with the marches. So I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna blame the Sons of Ben for that. Yeah. I think they'll, they'll kind of work its way out. Uh, I mean, my bigger chant issue with the chant was when they went um overrated at uh our u.s captain uh michael oh, bradley man. and he, he proceeded <laughs> he proceeded to have a great assist seconds later i mean first of all i never liked the overrated chant is it just yeah. it always uh, the, yeah you know, the timing always the timing's uh, bad like like it, it usually takes away from like your own team's accomplishments like if you're beating yeah. someone else and you chant 
I'm overrated at them. Like, what does that say about like your own team that's winning? Like, <laughs> and then to do it to to, to right, if they're overrated right. and they're winning, shouldn't that be the, like the case? Yeah. So, yeah. And then to do it to our U.S. national team captain, who I know has had some some tough tournaments recently. Yeah. But I mean, I think he might want to. I had more of a problem. Well, I mean, I can understand the criticism of Mark Geiger. First of all, I'm not saying that what they what the choice of words was correct, but what they uh, the the reason for doing it was certainly correct. He, you know, Mark Geiger just um. I almost said Matt Geiger there. I had to like catch myself. <laughs> Is that the Sixers center? Sixers, uh, Sixers legend, I think. Yeah. Le- oh yeah, legend. The legendary the Sixers center. Um, yeah. Mark Geiger. He, it's just always inconsistent, you know. I mean, there were some calls there. Uh, you know, the foul that led to the set piece on the second Toronto goal. I mean, that wasn't a foul. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. You know, and some of the just like ticky tack stuff where he he allows Michael Bradley to sort of get in his face and yell at him, and he can yell and yell and yell. And uh, Josie, I remember there's one sequence where Josie came in hard and just crushed somebody like Tranquilo Barnetta. And then uh, right before that, he made a play that he didn't even try to play the ball and just mm-hmm. like pulled somebody down. Like it, it was almost like a tactical foul yeah. in a non-tactical uh, area, part of the field. So it just people have a reason to gripe, but I don't yeah. think I don't think it was why they lost the game. But again, no. it's just failing to like set a standard early, you know. Well, speaking of Geiger and speaking of uh, Tranquilo Barnetta, just what do you make of? His like tirades, like I know you you've talked about it before, but in this game he had three just oh where Keo was going just at like him. really tirades towards the ref and you know I understand some of it, but he seems to be doing that a lot and he's pre- he's pretty low key off the field, so I wonder if if there's something in his head about like MLS refs or just this country, but. He seems to like really be bothered a lot of times on the field. I think the union staff would say, I mean, you saw how many fouls he drew in New England, and CJ draws a lot of fouls too, and maybe he doesn't think he's getting the calls or he's not being protected or he thinks he's going to get hurt, and that's a reason to be upset. Um, but at the same time, I mean, that's part of his game. You know, he the way that he collects the ball and the way he dribbles and turns and tries to pirouette and move out of danger, um, you know, when you're on the ball as much as he is, he's going to get those fouls, and those fouls – give them deadly set piece opportunities you mm-hmm. know um mm-hmm. it was his foul that he earned that led to the set piece that ken trivet scored on so he's right to be upset about all that stuff and uh but he just has to know that that's helping his team yeah um but number two like it's not it, it doesn't track is too good of a player right. to to waste that much time yelling at the well, I think that's that, my beef yeah. about it i think that's part of it too i mean curtin will tell you that he's a very good player in this league who's probably not treated like a very good player in this league. Yeah. Like he's a number 10, he's a playmaker, but he's not getting the same kind of calls as other big playmakers in this league. Well, it's I, a I right across curtains of said Javink, Javinko in that right. game, you yeah. know, where there was a, cu- I think there was a couple where Javinko went down maybe rather easily. He's a smaller guy, but I mean, it's hard to right. You know, what defines a star, you know, yeah. is a seven, he doesn't have a name necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. And this, cl- He's close to that level, but and, he's not quite there. Yeah, and Keo is not some some scrub, you know. Yeah. Um, he's you played know. in three World Cups. Yeah, and, which is uh, three more than me or you, I think. Yeah, but not the little, not the one in Brazil, not the little <laughs> one in Brazil. Yeah, that's just a little that one. Was, yeah, yeah, he played in the big one. That was a good one. The little ones. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, what do we want to move on to? We, uh, you know, we had some. Uh, we'll, we'll do the fan questions a little bit later, but we had um, yeah. a lot of people are asking about um, Maurice Adu and uh, where he's at and. What he's what position he's going to play and whether it's even worth having him come back at this uh, point. Yeah. So I will let you start on either <laughs> I mean, one of, any one of those questions. If, if it's think. worth having him, I mean, of course, I think the idea of his partnership with uh, Bedoya in the six and the eight. We kind of talked about this last week. Um, is an intriguing one. I mean, it's it's one of the most talented midfields that they've had. There are questions about the the defense for sure, but um, 
I think that's where he's gonna he's gonna fit in. I mean, I know fans are kind of frustrated with the timing of it. Like we don't we're not giving quite as many answers as you probably would like. We do ask Jim about it. We we talk to Mo. I mean, he's practicing, but um. I mean, I do think they need him. I think when he comes back, he'll be in the midfield, even if there are questions now at center back. Um, and at this point, it, it's just a matter of time. But I I guess the season is ticking down. <laughs> I just don't – yeah, I mean, I feel bad because I don't know what to tell fans. And everybody's asking us all the time. And I just – you know, they had the original uh, prognosis uh, after he had the, the setback, right? So then they said – what, what what were we told? Three three months, three to four months. Is that yeah. the original one that we're t- okay? He should have been back last month, just based on the right. So the I, I get I get. Days. I mean, look, these things are all hit or miss, especially when you're going with such a huge time frame like that. I mean, uh, but I think people got to realize that you know stress fracture doesn't sound like it's that big of a deal, but essentially he's got a broken leg. Yeah, yeah. You know, he, he's his bone in his shin is like cracked. Yeah. Um, so it's not as long as he's been out and when you're putting that much pressure on and where the crack is, I understand it's up. It's a little higher up on his shin um, where the majority of the stress is probably well, not the majority of the stress, but the contact when you land or when you, uh, you know, have that reverberation that goes through your knees, through your legs when you, when you land or when you uh, come down on the ground. Um, yeah. I don't know, man. I mean, three months to me sounded ambitious yeah. when they first, um, said that so maybe there's more maybe that the, to be upset with the original diagnosis yeah. than than what they're telling us now have know? we ever dealt with a player i mean we've both been covering the team for a while have we ever dealt with a player who's returned to training for what is it now like three or four weeks without being even close to getting back to game action Probably i mean even it, more than it's that, pretty right? it's, it's pretty rare i mean like once once he returned to training, everyone was like, all right, so it'll be like one or two more weeks, first Bethlehem in a week, and then Union. But it's just been dragging on where he's been training and, and not playing. So it's hard for us. There, there's not really much precedent. So I don't know. I mean, not not as far as uh, the Union um, is concerned, right? I mean, I, I can't remember anybody who's been injured. I can't think of anyone. No, I mean, I keep I keep thinking back to, uh, like, you know, um, like Joel Embiid or uh, Andrew Bynum or something like that, but I don't want to scare people. I mean, Andrew Bynum never never played a single game for the Sixers, but but I don't. I don't. Embiid's looking good though, so maybe that'll. Yeah, well, I'm not. I, I'm maybe not in two years, no, we'll be ready. I, wake me up when he actually plays again. I'm so sick of that story. I don't, I'm not nothing against it because I'm more excited for the Sixers season than I am for the Eagles season. But I'm so sick of hearing about Joel Embiid. Like, let me know when he plays. You don't like his five, five his like years. shirtless training videos. You're not into those. <laughs> Dude, I, I could look good in a shirtless training video. Maybe not I can't. as good as him. But. I definitely can't. <laughs> but uh, no, I just, I don't, right. I don't think there is a precedent. So, you know, the other question is, where do you play him? I still think he's the best center back on the team, but they need a six. So I don't know. Can you clone him? Can you? Can you clone him and make him healthy? Uh, why, don't you, uh, why don't you give us some of those uh, Some Twitter questions? Yeah, questions? yeah, I'm scrolling yeah, through sure. now. Um, let's see. A lot of them we touched on a little bit. Do you see any good ones in there? All right, here we go from Andrew Weeby. I'll start with him since Weeb. he is my editor. Yeah, he's told me everything I know. Shout out Andrew <laughs> Weeby, who runs a, who runs a podcast too that probably gets more, uh, listens than this one. Yeah, he says, where should they do play when he returns, which we touched on? Can they credibly call themselves a top three Eastern Conference team? And the next transfer window signing is, uh, can they call themselves a top three Eastern Conference <laughs> team? Um. I, I mean, maybe third. No, They're definitely not with, with, with New York City and Toronto. I mean, Montreal's probably 
has more talent. Well, I would say, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, on, on paper, if everybody's playing yeah. at the strength that we've seen them play this year, I don't think they're a top three team. I think they're four or five for sure. I still don't know how NYCFC is where they are. Uh, you know, I'm not really convinced their defense is going to get them anywhere in the playoffs. I thought Red Bull uh, was up there with Toronto. I thought Red Bull and Toronto were kind of like 1A and 1B coming into this season. So, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess you can make a case for it. It's not like anybody else is running out there and, gra- and grabbing it. And they, they don't – I mean, now there's a there's a gap. There's six or seven points out of the final playoffs above the playoff line now, and you have that sixth team. It's just kind of fading, you know. So yeah. as long as they keep pushing that gap, they're in line for like a – at least like a fifth-place finish, you know. Yeah, but it, it's just too bad without uh, getting in that top two. I mean, they'll probably have to play a, a, a one-off game in the playoffs, and then if you're yeah. on the road in that game, I mean uh, – happened with toronto last year yeah you just on the road one game at, at montreal and that was it they're done i mean we that's can been... talk about how stupid the uh mls playoff um format is some other time are there any questions about hot dogs this week no <laughs> no no questions about hot dogs i have a question for you okay are you ready yeah all right so we both covered this team for a long time in honor of your bachelor party <laughs> and your wedding which union player since 2010 would you most want to be your your best man and then we'll go, which union player would you most like to be at your bachelor party? So two, uh, okay. two very right. different questions. Well, listen, I think... Best man uh, you want, like reliable. Okay, can I answer the second one first? Sure. I would say that uh, knowing that my bachelor party, most of it was spent at a Rage Against the Machine mosh pit, um, <laughs> I would pick Connor Casey, man. Yeah, he's he, big. he could rage. He could clobber. Uh, just uh, He could knock some heads together. Just headbutt. Bulls on parade. That head is known for headbutting. <laughs> At least it should be. Huh? <laughs> it is a head known for headbutting. <laughs> and uh, who would I want? Who would I want to be my best man? He'd have to be like a good speaker, wouldn't he? I mean, um, hey, someone who is he giving a someone speech? who's not gonna, yeah someone who'll give a speech. He's not going to lose the ring, right? Like so a responsible, he's a good guy. guy. He's yeah, good in the yeah. Uh, good in the locker room, a good speaker. Um, you know what? I'll, I'll go with uh, I'll go with the Moby. How about a Moby Kugo? He was always Moby, the top yeah. guy. Yeah, Mob Mob. I like that. Moves was always the top guy. He would always uh, stick around in the locker room and talk to us. Yeah, that was and, a good uh, locker room. Like two, three years back, when you had when you had a Moby, Shannon Williams, Danny Cruz, those those guys we all got. Danny Cruz, yeah, Danny's a really really good guy. I go I, with Danny. He he held my kid once at a Phillies game. Yeah. So. <laughs> Who's you know what? Um, actually, that's a why don't I spin off in that question? Uh, guys who have been the best in the locker room. There we go. Maybe for the last five minutes of every podcast, we just go into some writer, like yeah, behind the scenes kind some of inside stuff. baseball yeah. writer, inside soccer. Your uh, favorite, favorite, guy, not your favorite guy to cover necessarily. The quotes. guy like who sticks out for like quotes or in the locker room or something I like that. Uh, first couple of years, definitely Danny Califf. Califf, I, yeah. I think you might agree with that. He was always honest, always willing to talk. I mean, after he was benched the first game, what year was it? Twenty twelve, maybe. Yeah, and he was just like, what, what down, the hell just happened? Yeah. Um, and then Shannon Williams for sure. I mean, he was always talking when, when he was angry. He'd tell you he was angry. He wouldn't. He wouldn't beat around the bush. Like yeah. a lot of these guys stick to their to their cliches, just things that they know that w- that won't get them in trouble. Mm-hmm. But those two guys were ones who were always yeah. nice and yeah. always honest. Yeah, we've been we've been fortunate, man. I mean, uh, a lot of guys that we've covered, there haven't been a lot of uh, you know assholes or anybody who's you know anti this or anti that. I think that all these guys are really straight up dudes, and they would all sort of stick around and. Yeah, even if it was a bad loss or something like that, they'd be okay with just sharing a couple quotes with us or, uh, you know, mm-hmm. sticking around and, and uh, making the effort. And that was always appreciated, you know. I don't. Who's think, your favorite? Uh, who's my favorite? I, I, you know what? Um, going back to like 2011, I guess I would definitely say Caleb. 
you know, I, I just remember a lot about that team for some reason. Caleb, you're just gonna copy my answers now. Latu would always talk with us. Latu would always talk. And when he, <laughs> you know, when he came halfway through the season, Velko Panovic was really good in the locker room. <laughs> yeah, he'd always stick around and talk yeah. about everything. But uh, I can't. The remember. old Serb is now what they're calling him. Like, <laughs> yeah. like fans didn't like that for like some reason. They're like, we don't like yeah. this guy. This and guy's like, too old and he's too. Serbian. And then like two games in, we're like, wait a minute, I love this, this guy. This guy's great. Yeah, yeah. And Velko probably should have like five or six goals that year, but he had he like had a, a few couple. Goals. He had a few goals. He had three, but I think like uh, two or three save of the week candidates ended up coming on like his shots or something. There was one that Casey Keller had on him that was yeah. really good. Um, There's one more question I see on Twitter. It might be too early for this, okay. but someone wants our thoughts on the expansion draft, which is it's it might be too early. We can get that uh, yeah. to, to a know, to a later podcast. But I with two a, teams in, I mean, I made a mistake. I thought they weren't doing it this year, but maybe I thought somebody was saying that they may might not do oh, really? it next year. Um, yeah, who do you protect or whatever? And who do you, I don't have the it's roster a, out in front of me. It's eleven guys. Yeah, that's something we can get back to. But they they'll definitely leave. A, a lot of guys who are pretty good players unprotected. Here's the, here, why don't I ask this then? Do you leave Marisa Du unprotected? I, I think you protect him. He, he doesn't make that much. I yeah. mean, I, I think you protect a dude, Bedoya. Well, like does he make guys. too? But does he make too much money that if you leave him unprotected, you know people aren't going to take a stab yeah, at him for like seven? I don't think he makes that much. I, I know the union have done that in the past. They left like Freddie Adu, but that was partly because they didn't necessarily want him. Well, so, I mean, yeah, yeah. That, that's true. And they probably knew. I think it's too much of a risk if you actually want to to build your team around. But they're definitely like oh, we've been talking about it. There are definitely some guys, former Union players and current Union players who fit pretty well. Jack McInerney with Atlanta. Jack McInerney, obviously, uh, he's from Atlanta. There are other guys on the fringe like Shane, I'm ninety nine percent sure Williams that he would that Jack wants. I mean, to play it for makes Atlanta. perfect sense. Yeah, I yeah. mean, to be a franchise player there. So. Um, yeah, I, I don't. Um, I think this this a lot of even when New York and Orlando came in, you saw a lot of trading and a lot of allocation money and a lot of just acquiring assets through the expansion draft. Maybe not taking ten players, but you know, I think you're going to see a lot of crapola like. Well, they we draft, uh, we select Warren Craval, and then we get fifty, <laughs> and then they send him back to send Warren yeah. back to Philly, and Philly sends them fifty k in yeah. Gam or something like that. It's going to be all that those stupid MLS mechanisms. And Do you remember how much crap though uh, Jim Curtin got for protecting uh, Fabinho? Oh, yeah, Fabinho last and time, and now Pedro, about, yeah. it looks uh, it looks like it's worked out pretty hey, well. Hey man, so. full credit to I, I didn't agree with that at all. I didn't full either. Credit but... to Jim because he definitely nailed that one, didn't he? He knows more than us, I guess, which is that's which why is weird. And that's why we're sitting here on the second floor of my house talking about <laughs> Rage Against the Machine and mosh pits and uh, it's a great house, though. It is, but you know, well, thank you, I appreciate that. Um, well, that know, took me a while to get here in the, in the traffic. Yeah, today, fish you know. town. Well, you know what, it happens. Um, <laughs> we'll work on that for the next episode. We're around the half hour mark yeah. right now, so um, you know, I want to wrap it up on this. Uh, the Philadelphia Union uh, Communications Director. Is that his official title? Yes, Chris Director. Winkler. Yeah. Chris Winkler's moving on. He's going to, speaking of Atlanta, he's going to take the uh, the job, a uh, similar job down there with Atlanta United. And uh, we, we met up uh, with him and some other people the other night and had a little uh, send off. Uh, much, Many props to Chris. Much credit to Chris because he came in and he did a really, really yeah. good job um, over the last two years. And he was, he came in not even to do that. Mm hmm. He was an intern here, yeah. Yeah, Chris was an intern like three or four years ago, I think, and then he came back to take a communications gig, but it wasn't um, after somebody else left. He sort of got thrown into the fire, and he was running the whole department. It was like January, wasn't it? (laughs) Right before the season, right before they went to Florida. Okay, you're in charge. So... um, yeah, we've had a lot of PR people, but Chris is definitely top 10 all time with this team. Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Are there, have there been 10? Actually, I, I think, I think there, there have been 10, but uh, Chris was great. I mean, yeah. in nah. all seriousness, we're going to miss him. He's going to uh, 
Atlanta? Is that on record? Yeah, it's, yeah, he's it going now. to Atlanta. Um, he'll do the same gig down there. So shout out to Chris for uh, for helping us out for several years up here in Philly, and that'll wrap it up for um, episode two of It's Always Soccer in Philadelphia. Thanks everybody for listening, and thanks again for um, all the suggestions and whatnot, and uh, all the questions too. We want to make it a sort of mm-hmm. uh, interactive kind of thing and sure. even if you have the dumbest question on the planet like a hot dog question <laughs> or something like that we'd be glad to uh yeah and the uh, next time we'll talk you'll be a married man so i don't know yeah, yeah. Oh, wait i did want to say one thing i got married five years ago and that's the last time that this team made the uh, playoffs so oh, if okay. you get married that means they have to make the playoffs they I, do. I think that's how this whole thing works. and then it'll be like five years later <laughs> and then like the george will get oh he's already, he's married. already married yeah okay he'll get he'll re- renew his vows and jt will get <laughs> married and then uh well they'll make the playoffs again but uh no as long as they don't muck it up this time around they look like they're on track for that so it'd be nice to cover a, p- a playoff bound for sure again, wouldn't it yeah all right on that note we don't want to jinx it so <laughs> knock on wood we'll uh, wrap it up right there it's always soccer in philadelphia thanks everybody thanks